welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 253, Matt Moret Decoy Seminar from the 2019 NWTF Convention. And I am your host and the guy who had a very relaxing and very productive weekend this past weekend for the long holiday weekend. So today we are 198 days, 9 hours, 24 minutes, and 2 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. I mentioned that I had a relaxing and productive weekend this past weekend for Labor Day and it was a great weekend. I relaxed and watched football pretty much all day Saturday, and that was very good, even though the majority of the games were not that exciting. Unless maybe you are a Georgia State fan or a Boise State fan. Sorry about that, Ben Carlson. And that was all followed by church Sunday morning, fishing Sunday afternoon, more football Sunday night, sleeping in Monday morning, a little pool time Monday afternoon, and more football Monday night. And through all of that time, I managed to get a few things done around the house that needed to be done, and it was just generally a great weekend. And I hope it was for you guys as well. Now, I've got a long episode for you guys today, and it is actually the seminar that Matt Moret put on at the NWTF convention this past February. And according to the NWTF, the seminar is about decoys, but there's not a whole lot of decoy talk in this seminar. There is some good information in the seminar, and Matt always does a good job keeping the attention of the attendees and giving out some useful tidbits along the way as well. So let's go ahead and get into this seminar with Matt Moret, and I will see you guys on the other side. How's everybody doing today? Man, how about Nashville, Tennessee, turkey hunters? It, it's, it, it amazes me every year how big this thing just keeps growing and growing. And, you know, it, it's a, for me, it's a pleasure to be here and be able to talk to all my old friends, make new friends about a sport that I love so much and, and we all love so much we wouldn't be here. And uh, this is probably not a good question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there any brand new turkey hunters out there? Relatively new? 
Okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome, that's great. I mean, I love to see new folks in the sport. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I just got to warn you, and you can ask any of these veterans back here, by the time that you really get into it, if you didn't spend about mm, 100 bucks a pound on that first turkey or first couple of turkeys, you ain't buying enough crap down there on the convention floor. Right. Honestly, y'all, there's so much out there today. Technology is pretty cool. I promise you, as sure as I stand here right now, if somebody tries to sell you something and says, man, you buy this decoy or this call or whatever and you'll kill every turkey out there, forget it. Because there's no guarantees, it's hunting. We're out there hunting an animal that lives in his own house, his own place. I mean, we're trying to talk to him. We're trying to talk his language and, and reverse mother nature. We're gonna talk about all this. You know, it's hunting, you know, and there's just so many things that, that are against us when we go out there. But if we went out there and called to a turkey and it ran us over every time we yelped at it, it would be no fun. Nobody in here would like it, it's that challenge. How many of y'all have one of them gobblers from last spring that? Man, he just gave you the slip and he just made you mad. You got a vendetta against him. Anybody in here? That's what it's about. How about ladies? I see a lot of ladies out there. Raise your hand if you're a female turkey hunter. Awesome. You're not a turkey hunter, ma'am. You just support a really passionate husband that has a passion for the sport. You can't figure out why he chases those ugly birds around and wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning. That a girl. That a girl. Does his turkey calls drive you crazy? Well, you're a smart man. <laughs> How many in here your husbands drive you nuts practicing their turkey calls? Okay, this is the turkey convention. We can't talk about that. I tell people all the time, don't practice them at home. Lots of wives hate turkey calls. But I will tell you this. My hat's off to all the ladies that are out there that are trying it or veterans or whatever. Turkey hunting, the female side of the sport has grown leaps and bounds. Fastest growing side of our sport without a doubt. But turkey hunting is the ultimate female sport. And you think about this. Girls are way better shots than us guys are. And guys, we have to admit it. I mean, you take a female to the rifle range, give her 22, and in 10 minutes, she's hitting quarters at 25 yards, never shot a gun in her life. They're better shots. Girls are more patient than us guys are. No doubt about that. You can think about growing up. Mom was definitely had more patience. But what other sport can a girl go out and talk sexy to a male species and blow its head off at 20 yards. I mean, that's total revenge on what we got going on out there. But in all honesty, it's a great place to, you know, you're not usually not freezing cold when you do hear a turkey gobble. Do y'all do y'all remember that first turkey you heard gobble in your life? Do you remember the little hairs on the back of your head that stood up and the goosebumps? How many deer hunters we got in here? How many of y'all get out in the deer stand and you see that first deer of the year and that first le that leg starts to shake? Does that ever happen to anybody? Any Pennsylvania boys in here? Yes, sir. Do y'all have trouble sleeping before opening night of deer season? That's a Pennsylvania tradition. That's why we go hunting. It's, it's in our blood. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily for everybody. But that's why we go hunting. And that's the cool thing about turkeys. And, you know, why we're here celebrating the wild turkey here in Nashville, the National Wild Turkey Federation, if you look at it, 49 states this spring have a turkey season. And that's pretty awesome. 30 years ago, it wasn't like that. A lot of success out there in conservation. And we've got turkeys everywhere. I mean, you can't drive up and down the interstate in just about any state and not see a turkey. And I think it's awesome. You know, obviously, there's ups and downs to everything. And, you know, we all face different challenges in our own certain areas. And it's just cool to see and talk to everybody around here. And, you know, if you're spending time at the convention this weekend, if it's your first, anybody, your first convention, first time to. 
Don't be scared to walk up to any booth, anybody in there, talk to them, ask questions. Man, we're just, everybody down there loves this sport. Everybody puts their pants on the same way. We just love wild turkeys. And, and you know, don't be scared to ask questions because that's how we learn. You know, today it's pretty cool. As a new turkey hunter, there's so much information out there that's real readily available. I mean, you want to practice your calls and listen to a hen yelp, you can hit YouTube. You know, if you're older like me and a little bit challenged when it comes to computer, you got grandkids or kids or whatever, you get, tell them to hit YouTube hen yelp and there's 500 different hens yelping up there. You know, back, back in the early days, we didn't have that information. We had to listen to a cassette tape and spend a lot of time in the woods. Now, calling devices, same thing. Calling devices have, bec have come a long way. Whether it's even mouth calls, slate calls, box calls. I mean, the, the technology today lets these things sound like a hen. Equipment like decoys. I mean, this is our newest one there at Avian X. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that looks like a, a Jake turkey out there in, in the field. I mean, it, it, it's full in turkeys. That's what we're doing out there. We're hunting in their house. We're trying to, we're getting in their head. We're playing mind games with them. We're trying to reverse mother nature. When he stands out there and gobbles, his, those hens are trying to come to him. We're making hen sounds. We're trying to talk to him. We all make mistakes doing this. We're going to hit on a lot of this. But we're trying to reverse mother nature and have him come to, to, to see us for a date, basically. He's looking for that pretty little hen that he hears over there. But you've got to think about every step of the way. It's against the way that he works every day. The way he works every day, he gobbles and those hens come to him. I mean, how many of y'all are like me the first time you hit the woods this spring? And I just talked to a buddy of mine in South Florida, youth turkey season starts next Saturday in South Florida. Can you all believe that? You must be going to South Florida next week. Cause I just, man, me too. I mean, I, I'm jealous right now. You know, we used to come to the convention and, you know, season, you'd think about season, it was two, three weeks away. Now with all the youth opportunities, I mean, and stuff going on, I can't believe turkey season's next week in, in South Florida. But anybody like me, the first time you hit a call this spring and old turkey, you get excited, man, you just want to you just want to make him gobble till he has no voice left. Anybody in here do that? Man, I do. I call way too much to the first one I hear gobble every spring because that's why we go hunting, to hear him gobble. But think about it. Every time you make that turkey gobble, every time you get him excited and he sounds off, there's a chance he might attract other hens because that's what he's trying to do. Every time he gobbles out there, like where I live, we have a ton of public ground. I don't want that other guy over there in the next ridge to hear him gobble. A lot of people say, can you overcall to a turkey? I, man, I don't think you can overcall to him because turkeys are talking all the time. I think you can overaggressively call to him and, and make him gobble so much that he, can, you know, he wants that hen to come to him. Think about that because that's one of the biggest mistakes we make, especially new turkey hunters. We make him gobble and he's, you know, he's moving around and we hit him again and we hit him again. We want to know where he's at because it's like that anticipation. It's kind of like the new generation. They want instant gratification. He's a turkey. He's living out there where he lives every day of his life. He's going to do pretty much what he wants to do. You're just trying to change the game. We're going to, we're going to talk about changing his mind. That's pretty much what I like to talk about when I talk about calling to a turkey. And, and bottom line is, if you get downstairs, you watch the turkey calling contest, you'll see him make all kinds of sounds, this and that. Turkeys have an exquisite language, no, no doubt about it. They're talking all the time. But if you're a newer, uh, you know, a, a turkey hunter just learning turkey language, that call right there, that basic hen yelp, you can go from Maine to California to Mexico and call up every turkey out there. Now you can, there's different variations, but you don't have to know the whole dictionary on turkey language to go turkey hunting. I mean, it's really not that difficult. I'm looking for a volunteer in here. Young man, would you come give me a hand? The one that's almost asleep right there beside you. 
Bet you didn't know you were going to come do a turkey seminar today, did you, buddy? Yes, sir. What's your name? Timothy. Timothy? I'm Matt. Where are you from, Timothy? Kentucky. Kentucky. They got any turkeys in Kentucky? Yeah. They do lots of them? Yeah. yeah do you know where there's about five of them right now? Because I'd be glad to give you my phone number. and you could <laughs> Tell you what, Timothy, look at all these people out here. These are all turkey hunters. You a turkey hunter? Yeah. a boy. You got a girlfriend? <laughs> no. How old are you? Ten. Ten. Okay. I, stay away from girls, man. They're yucky. They get in, they get in the way for your, of your turkey hunting. T wait till you're about thirty, right, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever used a call like this before? Say no. <laughs> you have used one of these before? I never hunted it with one, but I already like just ran over okay. a little bit, but I never did it. Let's, let's go ahead and hit this. You hold that like that. Let me give you, oh, you got it. Let me just move that striker a little bit. That's all it takes. Nothing. You got one to answer. <laughs> hit him again. See if we answer again. If I had a voice left, I'd... Oh, he didn't answer. That means you got to get a little more excited. Get a little excited. There you go. There you got it. You know, when you get excited, like when your mom, she ever tells you to take out the trash, and when she gets a little more excited, she'll kind of yell at you. I'll tell you what, Timothy, for you being a big help, if I give you a turkey call to take home today, would you take it home and, and put it in your turkey vest and try to call a turkey up with it? Okay, it's is your turkey call, not mom's, not dad's. Now, you go, you go to school? No. No, okay. You think your mom would get mad if you walked up behind her when she's doing something and she doesn't know and you do this real loud? That wouldn't scare her? Okay. All right. Hold on, I lost my bag. I should have been more prepared, Timothy. yours right there, buddy. Thanks. Yes, sir, man. Thank you. You take that home. That's yours. Don't give it to Dad now. Not Grandpa. <laughs> Nobody else. That's what it's all about, y'all. I don't. No matter what we do here this weekend, today, you know, we we preach it so much about youngsters and new people, and and you know, our sport. What do you think the average age of today's hunter, no matter what is out there in the, in the country? Anybody have an idea? It's almost 50 years old. That's scary. That's scary. We got to pass this. We got to think about 20 years from now what's going to happen. And we all live in situations where we might have a child living down the road, maybe never even got to catch a, a bluegill. I have to, what, what, what do they call them in this part of the world? Brim, bluegill, sunfish, bluegill. whatever. They might never ever, ever caught one of them, have a bobber out there and, and set the hook on a bluegill. Think about that. I can't imagine that. You know, we need to take it upon ourselves to get down there and give that, that kid or even a 20-year-old the opportunity to go out and say, Hey, man, you want to go ride and listen to turkeys in the morning? How about it? What's the, the coolest thing in the world is to watch a spring morning happen. Everything come to life. The little birds, the crows, and all of a sudden that turkey gobbles. And, and you know, how many people, I can't tell you how many people I've hooked on turkey hunting, just letting them listen to it.
because that's that's really what it's all about. Yeah, we all want to be successful and bring one home with us, but you know, like I said earlier, the whole thing is about the hunt, learning about it. And, and one of the things with kids, a couple things. You know, my daughter's in the back of the room. She's getting ready to go to college. I'm gonna be a, a broken-hearted dad here next year when she's away. But you know, I learned a lot from what, the way my dad taught me how to hunt. But one thing I've done is kind of spoiled my kid. And we, th we think about that. We take our kid out. We don't teach him some of the things that we've learned when we were kids. And I tried to go back to that. And here's a great example. I do this everywhere I go. When y'all grew up hunting, how many of y'all went squirrel hunting? Now, this might be a different part of the world, but how many went squirrel hunting this year? That's what I'm talking about right there. That's how I learned to hunt. That's what, how I learned what a white oak was. That's where I learned to hear a lot of my turkeys when I, was, when I got hooked when I was a kid is out there in the squirrel woods. Think about that. Our, our kids watch TV, and every time Waddell's on TV, a big old 10-point comes by, and he sticks an arrow through his ribs. I don't care who. I mean, it's just how it is. You take a kid deer hunting, he wants to shoot a big 10-point. How many of y'all grew up shooting spikes and four points and were happy as it got? Me too, man. That's what it was all about. Hunting is about the way you like to do it. And the same thing with turkey hunting. If your buddy does it this way or you were talking about something up here and you don't want to try it, you don't got to try it. Everybody goes out there different. If you want to make one gobble till he gobbles dust, man, do it. Enjoy when you're out there. Here's another thing. How many of y'all have ever fell asleep in the turkey woods? <laughs> Is it not the best place in the world to take a nap? It is, man. About 8 o'clock in the morning, you start dozing off. and you know, The later I get in life, every time I fall asleep, buzzards circle me when I wake up. And that scares the crap out of me. But in all honesty, you think about things like that. Man, I look forward to a nap about the third week of turkey season. But how many times have you been like dozing off there about 8.30? That old turkey you've been working starts gobbling again. So many folks give up right after daylight, right after that roost time. And, and you know, they think, man, turkeys, it, it's over. They're not gobbling anymore. To me, the, the best time, especially with populations in a lot of places where they're growing, the best time can be that 8, 30, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. That gobbler, all of a sudden, all his girlfriends left. He looks around. He thinks, man, I heard one over on that ridge a while ago. <sighs> and I honestly think when a gobbler gobbles looking for you, when he's gobbling trying to attract hens, that's when he's most vulnerable to come to your call. When you're yelping and calling one in and it's been quiet a little while and all of a sudden no crow, no owl, no other hens, no other gobbler, he, he's searching for you. To me, that's what I'm looking for when I'm calling to a turkey. You know, I want him to come looking for me. And that's how we're going to talk about changing the game. But, you know, before we get into that, let's talk about another real important aspect of turkey hunting. And if y'all are on social media, man, it's blowing up out there and I don't feel there's you know any bigger topic out there than, than than your shotgun but this is how I know if I have a lot of honest people in here how many of y'all have ever missed a turkey yes a bunch of people that tell the truth you wouldn't believe I was at Harrisburg at home that big show last week I asked that question about a hundred people and three people raised their hand they're full of crap you go turkey hunting you're gonna miss a turkey but here here we go let's think about that everybody's talking about shotguns shot size this and that shoot what, shoot what shoots best in your gun you know the choke tubes whatever if you shoot sixes or fours or fives man go out there and pattern your gun before the season if you're taking a kid out turkey hunting or a female or a new turkey hunter, don't give them a three and a half inch Magnum 12 gauge and pattern a turkey gun. That stinks, man. If anybody in here likes recoil, you're a tough person because I hate it. First time I ever shot a three and a half inch Magnum at paper, I thought somebody, you know, just 
punish me for being a turkey hunter. If you got a child, take them out there, get some clay birds, dove loads, 20 gauge, put them up there at 25 yards, teach them to aim. It sounds crazy. How do we miss a turkey with a shotgun? It happens. It's because we're not aiming most of the time. Out of range can be a, a big factor. There's something that's you know between you and that turkey. Most of the time we get so excited, we're breathing heavy, you know, we're shaking a little bit, and we want to see that turkey fall over, the cheek comes off that stock, pow, and we shoot. Some people put scopes on their gun sights, there's all kinds of stuff. I can tell you a real quick story, and I don't want to run over time. I'll tell you a real quick story. About 15 years ago, I worked for a company called Hunter Specialties, H.S. Strutt. I was there a long time. I worked with them for 24 years in, in the greatest days of my life. But we had a waterfowl division, and at the time, every time somebody, we were filming television shows and DVDs, and every time somebody would miss a turkey, our waterfowl guys would just make fun of us bad, really bad. How'd y'all find the back door, man? I've been looking for that all day. <laughs> I've been coming here 30 years and I still get lost every time. You gotta get you one of them GPS's I, I, or else get some flagging tape from your hotel room to the convention. I'm telling you, I get lost as well. <laughs> Technology's amazing, isn't it? I'm sure the, the app has something on there, does or just has a map. It's supposed to, yes. I got you. But we we understand about I know it. So anyway, this guy was named Barney Califf. If you all are waterfowl hunters, Barney was a, a world-renowned duck caller, and he would make fun of everybody that missed. And I had enough of it. So the following year, after all this stuff went down, I, I invited Barney on a turkey hunt out in Iowa, where he was from, and I had a really nice farm to hunt. Long story short, my whole mission of this trip was to make Barney miss a turkey. I could care less about killing one. I mean, I, I, and that's, that's cruel. I mean, if you ask anything, that's cruel. Anyway, we're out there and roosted a gobbler the night before opening day, and it was like a picture-perfect setting. There was a logging road that cut both sides of the top of this ridge, and a gobbler was gobbling down on this bottom, and I heard him fly up, and I'm like, man, this, this is like a godsend. You know, I've been almost praying to get one of these turkeys up there close to him and you know you're trying to make a guy miss that's that's not an easy feat but long story short we got in there pitch black I set a decoy about eight yards from from where the tree was that he was sitting and he's left-handed I got back behind and you know I said you know don't shoot until the camera guy tells you to shoot turkey gobbles and I tree call one time <laughs> hit him a little bit and I hear him <laughs> you know ten minutes all he flies down and I can, I'm looking up there, and you know, obviously Barney had killed some turkeys, so he had his gun kind of ready. And I call one time, and turkey's just over the lip of this hill, about 70 yards. And I look at that shotgun barrel, and I can see a little shake in it. I'm like, I might have this. And I hit him again, and he gobbles like in your face. You know, any Iowa guys in here? Anybody from Iowa? loudest gobbling turkeys I've ever heard in my life, you know, when they're on the other side of that hill. And about that time, you see those tail feathers come up, and I mean, when. When you're a turkey hunter and you hear that sound, there's just something about it. Yeah, I mean, it's close and your heart starts to pump. The worst time to hear that sound is you're like this and right here, just... <laughs> ever how about one walk up there and gobble about 10 yards behind you? Ever happened to anybody? Can anybody explain to me how your butt comes off the ground that far without moving? I mean, it, that's what's so cool. But when you start hearing that spit and drum, I mean, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. But I look at that gun barrel now, and it's doing this. It's kind of got a little figure eight pattern going, a little shaking. So I'm making him hold that gun. And at that time, I was just using a single hen decoy. And, you know, most of the time when you just have a hen decoy out there, 
when a gobbler sees it, if he commits, he's going to slow walk and strut. I mean, you shut your calling up and he bows up and he's showing off to that hen just side to side. And I'm watching this turkey's coming. He's 20 yards. And he's just taking his time. And I look and that gun barrel shaking. I'm like, this is going to happen. I'm like anticipating it. Long story short, he gets the decoys. They call the shot. And I'm watching. And I mean, he's really got it shaking when that turkey gets right up there in your face. I mean, Y'all, and if your state allows you to shoot more than one turkey, I know a lot of people want to shoot turkeys as soon as they cross that 40-yard or max range. Next year, or this year, this coming spring, you want to try something cool? Try to get one as close as you possibly can to you. I, to, for me, you know, what we've been doing at AVNX for the last couple of years, we're trying to get them close. It's a whole different sport to me. When they're, when they're just at your feet and, and you've got them fooled and they're standing there, you talk about adrenaline. If you have any kind of heart condition, Shoot them at 40 yards, please. Because <laughs> you will, your heart will pump out of your chest. Long story short, the camera guy tells him to shoot, and I, the turkey lifts his head, and I watch the leaves as the gunshot goes off about eight feet over that turkey's head, just go. <laughs> Barney turns around, he goes, I'll never make fun of another person for missing a turkey ever in my life. And he never aimed. He said, I never looked. He goes, you know, we shoot ducks and geese all the time. That gun goes up, it's automatic. Because he does it all the time. They're shooting all day. He said, I, I never even looked at the, the sights. He goes, I was so in, enthralled with what was happening. I thought there's no way I could miss this turkey. So getting out and shooting your gun is important, not only at long distance, but at short distance as well. And, and you know, preseason scouting. And I'm, I'm going fast here because I don't want to run over time. There's so much we can talk about. Yes, sir. Can I ask you one real quick? Absolutely. My first mistake was I went and bought 42 bucks worth of TSS. Am I going to go pattern that at... Oh yeah, you need to shoot the whole box about three times. That's good for conservation. Man, you, you should pattern it though. You want to know what it should. And I'm not. What I honestly, what I do to pattern my shotgun, and and you know, if you're especially if you're using a sighting system, sight it in with a lighter load. But you're going to have to pattern that because I mean, you want to know what your gun does. And and I understand 100%. You know, the good thing is it's turkey loads, not waterfowl loads, because you know most of us shoot you know three or four shells a year and we're good but yeah you really should pattern it just to know um, it's kind of like your deer rifle you go buy bullets you don't want to go out deer hunting without knowing your gun zeroed and everything's right and you know if you're traveling especially air travel you ever watch a shotgun case come up on an airplane they see a gun they go oh let's throw this extra hard you know and things can go haywire but Please go out there and, and at least shoot one shell to know what it, you'll feel a lot better about it but you know confidence is is key in my opinion. Let's talk about preseason scouting. It's happening right now. Anybody been out yet this spring and heard a turkey gobble? Awesome. What state are y'all in? North Carolina. Okay. Beautiful. Georgia. Yeah, I should yeah, I'd know better. Georgia boy, they're gonna be, be in the woods right now. But you know, last year before I came to the convention in February in Pennsylvania where my home is the, the morning I was leaving to, to drive down here, I walked out, we had about six inches of snow, and I cut some turkey tracks there in my food plot right by my house. And, and uh, I'm like, man, I got turkeys back. They come back in the spring where I live. They don't winter where, where I'm at. I can put a 1,000 pounds of corn out in my food plot to feed the deer. I won't have a turkey this time of year, but, or until about this time of year. 
And last year, right before I came here, I cut one time on a mouth call and five long beards. And the only reason I know that is because I saw them later in, in the in the spring answered me one time before I came to Nashville. So it's happening. Daylight hours are getting longer. If you get out at daylight, even in the northern states, I don't know about Minnesota and some of those real cold places. I just did the Minnesota convention a couple weeks ago, and you know it was cold. Any any folks from Minnesota in here? Yeah. If you've never been to Minnesota in January, for those of you that are from the South, it's the only place I've ever been where you step out of the plane or your car and the your inside of your nose snot freezes solid. I mean, it's cold in Minnesota. But I left right before you all got that 40 below stuff. I, didn't, I, I, I wasn't into that, but you know, it's happening. You get out tomorrow morning, walk out here at Opryland, all those little songbirds are going to be singing. Spring's happened. Daylight hours are progressing. So it's a time to get in the woods. You know, if you're hunting a new place, a new farm, obviously you want to get out there and know every little nook and cranny about it. You want to know wherever fence is, every creek, every little logging road, or what every field, everything you can learn about it before you go there. And the reason being is you go out there and get a turkey to gobble, and you've never been there before. You sit down, you call him up, he's 80 yards out there, you can't see him, and he doesn't budge. Anybody ever have one hang up on you? That stinks, doesn't it, man? Turkey, that's, that's the, one of the biggest problems we have is hanging up on us. And one reason, because maybe we didn't know there was a creek out there where we couldn't see or a single strand of barbed wire. He might cross that every day of his life, but if he's coming to a hen, he's not supposed to do that. So he's walking, he's coming to a hen, he hits that barbed wire. He's thinking, man, she should come to me. Mm -hmm. Turkey's not smart, but we're, we're, we're playing against the grain when we do that kind of stuff. Simple things like that is the most important thing in scouting. Obviously, when I go out there and listen to him, this time of year, they've been buddies all fall, all winter long, trying to survive. You go out there this time of year, a lot of times you hear them gobbling in big groups. A lot of times the jakes are real vocal. You know, that pecking order, they establish it every day of their life. But now it gets more crucial to who's going to be at the hierarchy of breeding season. So the gobbling action is great right now. A couple weeks from now, again, daylight hours progress. The photo period comes into play. Hens start becoming receptive. They start establishing their own breeding grounds, and obviously that's when our spring turkey season hits. Now, here's one mistake that a lot of us go out there and do, and especially in my home state. You know, the folks from Pennsylvania can relate, and I'm sure it happens everywhere, is they go out before the season, and they take their turkey call, and they hit an old owl hoot. Oh, oh, turkey. <laughs> Little hair standing up on your neck, and you grab your call, and you make him gobble one time, and you hit him once. I'm going to see if I can call that turkey up. Man, I haven't called one in since last season. You walk down there, sit by a tree. Next thing you know, here comes that old turkey up there. I mean, we're three weeks before season, and you see something over there. That gobbler walks off. Man, don't go out there and educate your turkeys before the season. You know, that's one of the things. State of Kentucky, hats off to y'all. It's illegal to get caught with a turkey call in your possession prior to opening day. I think that's a great, great, great law. They have the same law? Beginning of March 1st until the beginning or until the opening day. I love to hear that. You know, you, you know, you want to go out there and you want to listen to them. You know, you, you, might, you might have an old gobbler that flies down and about three to four days in a row he's going the same way. He goes east afterwards. You're just trying to figure out what's happening. And things change throughout the year. As food source changes, water, things like that. You know, turkeys change throughout the year. But, you know, the worst thing you can do is go out there and make your turkey smarter. And, you know, I'm not saying that, that, it's, that you can't go out there and yelp at them once and, and, and get out of there. Just don't call them up before the season. If you've got to go out there and call them up before turkey season, go to your buddy's favorite hunting spots <laughs> and make his turkey smarter. Don't do that either because that causes problems. But, you know, when I grew up, when I grew up turkey hunting and, and here at the convention, 
you know, a lot of my heroes and idols are downstairs. You know, I grew up, when I was six years old, I called my first turkey calling contest. That's why I'm here today. You know, and guys like Terry Rom and, and Will Primos and Dick Kirby, who's no longer with us. I mean, this is where we all come to meet every February. And everybody, it's, I, I love to just go out there. Harold Knight grabbed me the other day and was just, you know, talking stuff that, that, his philosophy on a lot of things in the way he turkey hunts everybody has their own ways that they go about doing things it's just like you know driving a car when you're trying to teach a kid how to drive a car I'm, I was terrible at trying to teach my daughter how to drive because I do it my way you know I try to save my brakes and tires she she doesn't pay for her brakes and tires so she goes as fast as she can and hits the brakes her own boyfriend tells me she drives bad that's pretty bad but anyway there's no right or wrongs. You know, the bottom line is, like we said about said about it earlier, you want to go out there and enjoy it. You want to have fun. You want to learn as much as that day is going to let you learn. You know, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, and you just got to roll with it, roll with the punches. And if you learn from every experience out there in the woods, you become a better turkey hunter. How many think a turkey's smart in here? Man, I thought so too for a long time. Turkeys are, in my opinion. In my opinion, I think they're smart, but I've been told wrong by biologists. <laughs> Turkey's brain's the size of a thumbnail, your thumbnail. He, he can't reason. We're the top of the food chain. We're the only animal that can reason. But when that old gobbler gobbles and those little hairs stand up and the goosebumps, we forget. We become stupid real quick a lot of times. A turkey's not smart. A turkey's good at getting away from something that's going to make him suffer from danger. You know, you think about Mama Hen sitting on that nest for 28 days. She's incubating those eggs. She's talking to those poults while they're in that egg. She's just tell, she's telling them stuff. She's imprinting their language, just like we are as humans when we're born. Same thing. I mean, she's teaching them language. They get out of that nest, you know, and two days later they're walking through and old red tail flies over. She, she teaches them how to get away from it. You know, two weeks they got their wings and they learn how to fly and they get away from danger. Everything out there is trying to eat them. You know, obviously, one of the biggest things that we can do as, as conservationists and on our own properties that we hunt, it's a thing that, you know, a lot of, how many of y'all trap on your properties? Oh, that's great. That's great to see that because it's important that, you know, with fur prices at the bottom of the barrel, nobody wants to go out there and set traps or call in coyotes, but raccoons, possums, skunks, we need to keep those predators in, in, in check, especially if, if we want our turkey populations to succeed. And think about that next year, you know, when, when trapping season in your state comes. I mean, think about, you take one coon, imagine how many turkeys you save. One raccoon. We all need to think about that too. But you know, that's where a turkey gets credit for being smart. They can see every color of the rainbow. Their head, their eyes are on the side of his head, and his eyes are right there. And we've all probably tried to do this. That, those eyes are on the side of his head. The only place he can't see is right here. So that turkey's walking like this, and he turns his head like that. And we try to make a move. He walks off. I'm like, how'd that turkey see me? <clears throat> They're looking for something out there. They say their eyesight's ten times better than ours. I don't know what the percentage is, personally. I know they can dang sure see you move. Being still is important, knowing when to make the right move. Um, you know, if his vision's obstructed by his tail or he goes behind a tree, obviously, get away with movement. But, you know, the key is blend it into your, your surroundings. You want to, you know, when you sit down by a tree, if it's wider than your shoulder and break up your outline, that's, that's the place to be. Some folks hunt out of blinds, however you want to do it. There's no right or wrong out there. You want to stay hidden. For, what blows me away, anybody use a ground blind at all in here? Or bow hunt turkeys? Any bow hunters? 
My hat's off to you, man. That's by far, the, in my opinion, the toughest thing to, to get drawn back on is a wild turkey with a bow and arrow. And, you know, for whatever reason, you stick a ground blind in the middle of a field and the turkey will walk right up and, and strut by it and, and won't even pay attention to it. But, you know, you want to blend into your environment out there. How many of you use decoys? Yes, I love that. 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been like that. How many believe in decoys? That's even better. How many don't believe in decoys? Okay. Don't believe in they work or you just don't like them? I have not had no luck with them. Really? I, I got a special down at the AVNX booth. We can, we can take care of you. <laughs> well, if you want to trade them in, man, we, can, we got trading programs. <laughs> we appreciate the support. And, and I, I hear that a lot. 20 years ago, I wasn't a decoy believer. They run from Yep. Maybe we, didn't get, maybe we gave you those ones that were, you know, misfits that you know, chased them away instead of brought them in. But come down and see us. We'll talk about it. Maybe we can figure something out. And, and this can happen. you got to think a lot of times, especially on, on a gobbler decoy, the more aggressive position decoy of a gobbler, like a strutting gobbler, any kind of aggression that he shows, there's a chance that he could run a turkey off. You know, that's why we try to go with a, a gobbler that doesn't have as much posture. He's just showing his oats a little bit. This particular is, is our, one of our new decoys. How many of y'all seen a Jake or a, a subdominant gobbler come into your spread and do that with his head? He sticks it up like that. He's, he's kind of showing subdominance. I don't know if he's trying to make himself look bigger, but he's telling that other gobbler that he's no threat. We've seen this a ton filming turkeys, especially in Jake. So we designed this head. These, this one has a removable head. You can use two different heads. We designed that, that posture. And, we, and, you know, no sales pitch to AVNX. Everything that we try to do, we try to call to a turkey with that decoy. And, you know, you think about it, when a turkey's relaxed, his wings are usually dropped. And that's what we try to incorporate right there. If you, if you watch a, a, a turkey's body language, you know, when they pull them wings up and start popping them and pull them tight, they're ready to get out of there. They're showing a little bit that they're a little bit nervous. You know, anytime their feathers are fluffed like that, they're relaxed. And that's what we're trying to signify there. You know, every feather that we try to do, we're trying to tell a story with our decoy, just like when you're using your turkey calls, we're trying to tell a story. And, you know, the thing about decoys, it's just like calling. People, you know, I hear people have all kinds of philosophies how to use them out there. Number one, the, the most important thing is when utilizing decoys or setting up on a turkey, the farther that they can see your setup. You know, fields are a different situation. We can talk about that in a second. But if you're calling to a turkey and he shows up out there at 200 yards in the woods and he sees your decoys or he sees where that hen should be, there's a great chance he's going to hang up out there and let, want you to come to him. Where if he shows up at 80 yards, he comes up over a hill, you know, or get up to a ridge top, or gets to the edge of a field, and then he can see your decoys, he's just out of gun range, a lot more apt for him to commit. Because you've already changed the game. So many times, especially in wide open woods, think about that, utilize the terrain. When he shows up, he's not far out of gun range. You know, hanging up on decoys can happen. If you're going to use one, especially early in the season, especially the first half of the season, if you're going to go through the trouble to carry one decoy, please use a jake in your spread. Carry two. That jake is incredible. Uh, to me, if I had a choice to use one decoy, bar none, it would be a jake decoy. I'm already sounding like a hen. I'm trying to change the game, sounding like a hen. When he shows up, he knows that hen should be there. He sees this guy over there with one of his girlfriends. He's committed. 9.9 .9 times out of 10, they come to the Jake. 
and you're messing with that pecking order. There's two sides of that turkey's life in the spring. He's worried about dates and girlfriends, and he's worried about keeping gobblers away from him. And, you know, yes, you can spook him. You could put it, especially like with strutter, a strutting decoy, you put it out there, he comes up there, and all of a sudden he sees old big boy up there with a girlfriend. And two weeks ago, he got hit upside the head with a wing. We'd all walk away, too. I mean, it's just how it is. And turkeys sometimes are fighters, and some aren't fighters. And we've had them shy away from hens as well. I mean, we've had that happen. I'd like for you to come down, and we'll try to fix it, or, or else give you a, maybe something that we think might be happening. If, if nothing else, don't take your decoys. I mean, some, maybe it's just one of those mojo things that doesn't work for you. But for me, I was like that for a long time until... Friend of mine, Callie Morris, who's longtime friend of the NWTF, came out with a, a mounted hen decoy. I mean, obviously, you can't get any better than that. And the first time that I went with Callie and he used that, I was sold on decoys. And then, obviously, technology got better with using, you know, rubbers and plastic and, and different things to allow us to make a thing, a, a molded decoy that looks almost like it has feathers. It definitely has made a difference on what we do, but not every one of them commits to a decoy, no doubt about it. But again, and we're going to talk about that in calls as well, think about that gobbler. Because to me, that's the deadliest decoy that, that, that's out there. He's, if, you, if he's committed to that hen, and he's coming to that hen sound, he comes up there and sees that gobbler, if, if, and especially in the woods too. They have to be able to see it. Use, utilizing openings, utilizing logging roads or ridge tops, they have to be able to see that your decoys. And I think right here in the woods, that color, I think it's, it stands out from a hen color. I think they see that Jake a lot better, in, especially in timber situations. And, and again, every place that we hunt is different. Fields are a different story. Field turkeys are tough. They're out there in the field. You know, they got their hens with them a lot of times, or they know they should see those hens and they should come to them. No doubt about a field turkey is the toughest one in the world. And I'll tell you what I've learned in the last probably 10 years is something that my dad told me when I, was, when I first started turkey hunting. When I first started back in the, in the early 80s, legally I had to be 12 to go turkey hunting in Pennsylvania. I spent a lot of mornings between my dad's legs as a younger, younger hunter than 12 years old, but I didn't have a shotgun. You know, and I would spend time out there. But my dad was the kind of hunter that he'd sit there and cluck three times and wait 30 minutes. And we sat there daylight till nine, ten o'clock. We were patient. I mean, I got browbeat about sitting still. We didn't have ground blinds. Every time I almost, you know, shifted my butt a little bit, I would get in trouble, you know, and, but my dad was the most patient turkey hunter ever, and he didn't call very much. He just knew where to put himself that he might be, you know, involved in a conversation with a gobbler sometime during that day, or it might be two or three days later. But, you know, I've learned to be more patient. I went through a spell in my life. If one didn't come in five minutes, I was going to go find another one. I, you know, run and gun as hard as I could. In the last probably four or five years, I've become more patient. And I think it's helped me in my success because there's so many times that I've been set up working a turkey and he shuts up. We go try to find another area. And about 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later after we leave, that old turkey gobbles right where I was standing. I think sometimes we're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they're turkeys, we're out there hunting them, and we're not being patient enough. Anybody feel that way? Anybody ever leave and one's gobbling right where you're at? And it's just a phase of, of maybe I'm getting lazier as I get older, but the more patient that I can be, and I, you know, I go with a lot of people that they, don't, they think it should happen in five minutes. Man, you're world champion turkey caller, you should be able to call this thing up. There's, you know, there's 30 turkeys gobbling out there. What's going on? You know, and don't let that pressure get to you. 
just stay in the game. If, you, if you've got turkeys out in front of you somewhere and one's answering you every once in a while, you don't need to move necessarily. You just need to let those hens get away from him because that's what happens you know, in the morning. He gobbles, hens go to him, he shuts up a lot of times. Or, you know, you don't know what's going on around, too. Always be listening for other turkeys that are gobbling out there. Maybe you do have to make a move and get to a, another bird. Or you're sitting there, one shuts up, and all of a sudden you look out, and here comes a turkey. A lot of times we think it's that turkey we were working, but gobblers are just like elk or deer or anything else. They're subdominant, they're subordinate gobblers circling that flock all the time trying to catch a hen. A lot of times them old gobblers come slipping in there, they're not going to say too much. They get right up there where that hen is, and they might gobble one time, or you'll hear... Mm -hmm. He doesn't want old big boy out there to hear him. He's com coming in there to try to steal one of his girlfriends. If you've got turkeys that are vocal around you, you're in the game. Don't, don't ever think that there's nothing out there. And that's, that, that's the key, I think, to a lot of hunting is, is, is our brain. When you're sitting in a deer stand, you think, man, there's nothing around. You're just, you start losing fact that, the focus that we're a hunter. And you know, all of a sudden you look and there's a big buck and you've got your bow hanging right here. You've got to always stay in the game when you're out there and just always paying attention to what's going on. So let's say we've done our scouting, we've patterned our shotgun, we only shot one of our brand new $42 a box of five, is that what, bullets, and we know it shoots good, so we got four. We got three in our gun, and I would keep, you know, that other one under lock and key, you don't want to drop it. I mean, anybody ever lose something in Turkey Woods? I would love to be a guy, if I could afford to make a living going and following people around the woods and finding stuff that they lose in the woods. Um, real quick, I have a good buddy in Alabama about, this has been 15 years ago, we killed a turkey and high-fived it and threw it in a truck and jumped in a truck and go down the road. And this is about time they came out with these dipping shotguns where they, you know, they got mossy oak bottom land, Benelli's and Browning's and we go about 10 miles down the road and he goes, man, do you see my shotgun? Mm-mm. I think I left it in the woods. You know, that, that shotgun is still in a swamp in southern Alabama. We went back there, could not find where he laid that shotgun down. And um, I've got about, I probably got about 30 box calls across this country in different places. You get excited, and I always tell people when you set up, man, lay everything in your turkey vest out. Because I'm in the turkey call business, and I want you to lose stuff out there. But it's, it's, um, that's part of it, man. We lose stuff out there. But, you know, just getting your stuff ready, getting your calls together, practicing your calls. You, you don't have to be a champion turkey caller. I mean, my buddy back there has his brand new slate call. He can go out tomorrow morning and call a turkey up with what he knows already. That's all you need to know. I mean, a, a simple push pin, and we don't make one at zinc, but, you know, like a Quaker Boy Easy Yelper, there ain't no better turkey call out there. Friction call has a sound built right into it. You add a little bit of rhythm. That Easy Yelper the Quaker Boy makes, I guarantee you, has killed a pile of turkeys. You get about 30 yards away from that thing and you listen to it and it's like, man, that sounds like a turkey. You know, with recording devices today, if you're practicing and you want to hear what you sound like, take your cell phone out. There's a sound file. On every iPhone you can make a sound file. Lay it out there at 20 yards and listen to what you sound like at 20 yards. I don't care how good you can call in this building. Outside is where you want it to, to sound the best. And, you know, you want to practice a little bit here before the season. Like I said earlier, wives hate turkey calls. So, you know, don't do it in the kitchen when she's cooking dinner. You're going to get in an argument. Anybody have trouble using a mouth call, diaphragm call? Toughest one to use, no doubt about it. Best place to practice, and you watch between today and opening day, and you'll see it. I don't care if you're on I-40, I-81, or whatever, is in your vehicle. I mean, if people drive by me when I'm by myself, then I travel a lot in the vehicle. I got one in my mouth all the time. That's, where, that's my favorite place to practice. It's kind of like singing, too. You know, 
We're in Nashville, man. Everybody down here sounds good, right? I think I sound like I could be down here singing when I'm in the shower. I get out of the shower, man, it's awful. I mean, I make the dogs bark. Turkey calling the same way. The best place I think I sound is in the truck. And honestly, that's the best place to, to, to practice. And, you know, if you have a youngster and you want to teach them how to use a mouth call and you're scared about it, I hear this a lot too, and this is old school. I remember coming to this show and I'd see a little kid come up to the booth, I mean like four years old, and he's wailing on a mouth call. I'm like, man, that's awesome. But in that mouth call, there was about a 30-pound monofilament hanging out the side of his collar. His daddy would take a hole and punch in that tape, put some fishing line in there and tie a knot in case he swallowed it, he could jerk it out of his throat. <laughs> That's a true story. I mean, honest, honestly, I've seen that a bunch. But, you know, these have come a long way, too. The biggest thing with a mouth call is bringing air from the, the right place. If you ever clean a pair of glasses or huff <sighs> to fog glasses to wipe them down, that's where that air comes from. It's from our diaphragm. Today's calls, you don't need a lot of air, you know, and it's all air, tongue pressure related, but you want to get it fit in the roof of your mouth. If some folks, that if you brush your teeth and you gag on your toothbrush, you got a natural gag reflex, and that's the toughest person to, to teach how to use a mouth call. Matter of fact, we used to bring folks up like, like we did earlier and, and try to demonstrate how to use one, and I got a guy one day that had that natural gag reflex, and he was, a, he was in West Virginia. I'll never forget it. I mean, big old guy, long ponytail, you know, Harley Davidson. You know, I was intimidated, and he was cool as anything, and he threw it in his mouth and started gagging real bad, and about that time, lunch was sitting on the floor. I'm like, we'll never do that again, okay? Uh, we'll, we can come down to the booth, and we'll work on it. But the biggest thing is, is getting used to that call in the roof of your mouth and just getting a sound out of it. Once you get a sound out of it, you got it whooped. I'm very jealous of today's, what I see happening today. Today, it happens every year here especially. Two young kids coming down there and somebody gave them a mouth call to drive their parents nuts. And they're walking down my aisle and they're just squalling. <laughs> Making all kinds of noise. You can go through the hallways here at Operaland at night and you'll hear it. Everybody that got a free turkey call is using it here at Operaland. But they're getting a sound out of it day one. When I learned to use a mouth call, my dad didn't let me do it. I was using my natural voice. He's like, no, wait till you're, you know, nine or ten years old. I was six. I watched him throw one away one night. Back then, you had to buy about ten to get one good one, and you threw the other nine in the trash can. I pulled it out of the trash can. It took me a month to get a sound out of it, and, you know, eventually I learned how to use it. But <clears throat> getting a sound is the most important thing. Once you get a sound, you got it whooped. You know, it, it's, it's just learning how to control it. And I'll tell you, if you're having trouble, this is the best place to have trouble using anything. Get downstairs and talk to anybody you want to about doing it. Everybody down there is going to try to help you. And I promise you, before you leave here, you will learn how to do it. But the mouth call, the best thing about it, obviously it's in your mouth. It's not in your hands. You know, if you need that, that, that extra little bit there at the end, you're good to go. But we're going to hit on some turkey calls now, kind of simulate uh, opening morning and kind of go through what, what turkeys do, kind of go through what we think, you know, we should tell this turkey, taking his temperature, and then talk about some other things that relate to that Jake decoy that I think is probably the most important thing we'll talk about in calling, and, and I'll get to that more at the end. But um, <clears throat> first morning in turkey season, it's what we've all been waiting for. It's funny how the opening morning of turkey season, you don't even need an alarm clock. I mean, you're up, you're ready to go, you know what I'm talking about? You don't even need coffee. I mean, you're wired. This is what you waited all year. Everybody in here that's down here today at this convention, we're ready for opening morning. So we get out there in our favorite spot, slide in there. You know, we're, let's say we're, we have another person we might share this area with. And if I pull in there and I see his truck parked where I want to go, last thing I want to do is pull there on top of him. I want to go to another turkey I have scouted. You know, 
it's tough enough to call a turkey by yourself. Then you add another person there. Not only is it a safety factor, it makes the hunt a little bit tougher. And I know we all, a lot of us hunt public ground. Some of the best turkey hunting out there is public ground. Toughest turkeys in the world live on public ground as well. But if we know there's another guy hunting in that area, man, let's, let's, let's have some other places scouted. We can get away from him because hopefully someday he'll give us that same respect. Man, if you're out there and you're working a turkey, this happens a ton in, in, in my state. We have 300,000 turkey hunters. You know, hunt public ground, you're working a turkey, and all of a sudden I look over there, and here comes a guy. Last thing I want to do is do anything more than yell at him. I want him to know I'm there. I'm going to talk to him. Hey, I'm over here. I'm not going to take my hat and do this or do anything else. I mean, I don't want him to think anything's wrong. I mean, that there's a turkey over there. I want him to know there's a human, and it's going to happen. We're going to talk about safety a little bit, too, because it's, it's, it's very important. Let's say it's opening morning. We get out there, and, and what I like to do is I like to let the turkeys gobble on their own. So many people grab their owl hooter or their crow call, and they're making all kinds of noise, try to get a turkey to gobble. Every morning in a turkey season, pretty much, he's going to gobble. I want, him, I want him to sound off. He's looking for hens. And when he does, you know, the, the reason that I would carry an owl hooter or a crow call is I want to know exactly where he's at when I'm trying to get set up on him. And how many of y'all hunt with a buddy? I think turkey hunting has is, is, is become such a buddy sport, and it's great for me because you ever been there with three guys and you're, oh, 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 old turkey, cow, and all three of you are pointing in different directions because <laughs> everybody hears things different. I think it's important to hear a turkey gobble a couple times so you know exactly where he's at, what direction. I promise you when that turkey hears you start hen yelping, he knows exactly where it's coming from. And, you know, their, their, their pinpoint on where that sound's coming from is, is incredible. But, you know, let's say he gobbled a couple times, and we've, we've scouted this area. He's, you know, roosted up on this little point. You know, if I use my alcohol, I'll, it's just to make him sound off. And, I, you know, it's a shot gobble, something loud, natural to that turkey's environment. Y'all ever been out in a thunderstorm's rolling out there in the distance? You've been hunting for two hours, thunderstorms start rolling through, and thunder cracks, and you hear, caw, caw, caw. To me, that's the best locator call in the world. Um, but we can't reproduce it man-made. If you ever get the opportunity and you're in a safe place, go out there sometime in your spot and listen when it starts to thunder. It'll make turkeys gobble. But we hear him gobble a couple times, and then how many of y'all use owl hooters? We got any guys that are good with their natural voice in here? Good. Well, I think because we have a great division right here, we ought to have a little fun because I see some people sleeping out there. I think we should have a little owl hooting contest. We got a right side of the room and left side of the room. So, are y'all in for that? Let's wake up. Let's wake him up down there on the convention floor. If you don't know a barred owl, he says, "Who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all?" It's an eight-note count. And you know, one of the tough things I had when I got in this business is being from Pennsylvania was being a Yankee. I mean, when I went to Alabama, I mean, I had to earn my credentials down there and still some people don't like me because of where I'm from and I know I'm south of the Mason-Dixon line so your owls say you all when I started in this business they said Pennsylvania owls don't say that and I'm like what do you mean they say who cooks for you who cooks for you guys <laughs> so that stuck with me for 35 years but it's an eight note count who cooks for you who cooks for you all so I think we're gonna go with the right side of the room first I saw a couple hands y'all can help y'all get it as loud as you can that's what you want you want it pretty loud I mean you want to make that turkey gobble from here to the convention floor so you ready I'll help you all out three two one <laughs> got some ringers right there they can, 
That's some guys that came in the back door. Those are those guys that don't know what a fence is. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> All right. That was pretty good. They have some good old owl hooters over there. Let's see if this side can beat them. You ready? Y'all ready? Look, you look pumped up. You're ready to go. All right. Right. Three, two, one. Heck yes. I heard about four Tennessee owls, and there was one California owl way back there. I don't know where he came from. Oh, there's a Mississippi owl in here? Yes, sir. Man, that's what, to me, that's what turkey hunting's all about. It's about having fun, man. That's, that's what this right here is all about. We're serious. I'm serious about it. But having fun is important. But anyway, let's say we out hooted. We know exactly where that turkey's at. Don't try to push it so close when you get set up that you can see him on the limb. You're going to bust a lot more turkeys that way. I mean, some guys like to be able to see him when they set up. Or you're going to, he might still be gobbling, but he knows something's wrong down there. When he pitches out, he's going to go the other way. He's always watching for danger. So, you know, give yourself a buffer. Obviously, in early season, there's not a lot of leaves out there. You don't want to walk on top of a ridge where turkey can't see at night, but he can skyline you. You don't want to walk right through the field. You know, utilize the terrain. We know this area real well. We know that he's flew down a lot of times, and he's going out to the point of that ridge to the east. You know, some guys like to get the sun to their back. I don't particularly pay attention to a lot of that stuff. I mean, when eventually when I tried to pay attention too much like that, I screw up anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, get yourself in a situation where he shows up that he's not too far out of gun range. Get that tree that's wider than your shoulder. Sit down. Get comfortable. Here's the other thing. Especially as you get older. I don't care what you buy here at the convention. Two things. The first one is, the first one is real important for anybody, but especially as you get older, is a seat. I don't care what it is. I don't care. If, I mean, if they made one with cushion that big, I'd probably buy it. Because you sit on an acorn like that for two hours, stinks. A good seat's important. Here's the other thing, and I meant to say this earlier. I don't care who's in here. I don't work for any of these companies. The most important thing that I want everybody to, to purchase, hopefully they have some downstairs, if not before turkey season, is tick repellent. I don't care who it is in here. If you're not spraying for ticks, you're going to be sorry someday. Um, speaking from someone that has battled Lyme disease for a long time, it's the worst thing that I'd wish on my I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Simple application of Sawyer's, you know, you can apply it, let it dry, it lasts a long time. You can watch ticks crawl up your leg and die. And to me, it, the tick is the enemy out there because and, and Lyme cases are going through the roof. If you're not spraying for ticks, please think about that this spring if your buddy's not down there. And if you are, in any chance having symptoms, get to the doctor right away. Um, if you get a tick bite and you're, you're worried about it, they can get you on medication that eliminates a lot of the problems that people... I, didn't, I wasn't diagnosed till a year and a half after I got bit. Never knew I was bit. Didn't even know what it was. It actually attacked my heart. Blood pressure went to 202 over 90 overnight. I didn't even I had no idea. They checked me for everything, and it took me about two months to figure it out, and two years of treatment. Not a pity party. I don't want that to happen to anybody in here. And I promise you, a $10 bottle of Sawyer's can save you from a lot of agony. All right, let's get back to turkey hunting. We got our we got our clothes sprayed down, and when you go hunting, come back, get a shower, check yourself, especially belt line. You know, when I finally got to a, a specialist when I had Lyme, my Lyme specialist, and that's one of the things we need to talk about. We should do a Lyme seminar here at the convention because all us guys and girls are spending time out there. It just hit me while I was standing here. We're spending time in the woods when we're all covered with ticks, and, and 
there's so many unknown things out there, and I, that, well, a lot of advancements too. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of secondary bacteria, and and somebody that can really help with anybody, because there's somebody in here that's probably got it that doesn't know it, and you don't ever lose it. But you know, check your belt lines, anywhere your socks, places that are tight. I, I know when I got diagnosed. My doctor was looking at my belt line, and I got welts all over it. I mean, I've had thousands and hundreds of ticks on me in my lifetime, and most of the time they're on your belt line. You pull them off. He goes, "What are the?" He said, "Are those tick bites?" I'm like, "Yeah, I live in the woods in the springtime of the year, and you know." And he goes, "Most of my patients come in here. They got one tick on them." I'm like, "He said, you know, they just get that one that is unlucky." I said, "Man, no, I I pulled ten off me a day sometimes, or or more, but." Let's get away from the negative side. Let's go back to this turkey that's gobbling out here. So we get that, that tree that's wider than our shoulders. He's gobbling up there. He's gobbled a couple times. We're listening. We don't hear any hens. Man, if you don't hear any hens around there, that's a great day. You're like, yes. you got to remember, every day of his life, when he gobbles, he's trying to get those hens to him. We're all going to encounter gobblers that have hens. Hend up. It's the biggest term you hear from veteran turkey hunters. Man, they're hend up. That's what they do. They're going to be hend up for, you know, for a lot of the season. But... <clears throat> Let's say this is opening morning. We're not hearing any hens. We hear another turkey gobble way off. He's gobbled a couple, three times on his own. First sounds I want to make to him, I want to let him know where I'm at, just like a hen when she wakes up, but I don't want to do it till after I hear a crow. That's kind of my indication that it's time for those, those hens to wake up. When a hen turkey wakes up in the morning, it's kind of like us. I mean, very rarely do any of us in here wake up, start screaming and yelling. She's just, she wakes up, she wants to let him know, she just wants to let the other turkeys know where she's at. She's Real soft and subtle. And she's just... I mean, if he gobbles at that, he's heard you. But here's where a lot of us make mistakes. We... Y'all know what I'm talking about? You get excited, you start... You remember, he's standing up there. The more he gobbles in that tree, the more he's, longer he's going to stay there. He's going to wait for that hen to come to him. He's like, man, that's the sexiest sound in hen. She's ready for a date I've ever heard. That's what he does. You want to play that guessing game. You want him to think maybe, you know, she's over there, but she's not really interested. You're trying to play the same game that he's doing with you. So you hit him a couple times. If he gobbles at you every time you tree call, you can put your call down. He knows where you're at. The biggest thing that we do, we don't want to make him gobble so much on the tree. They, other hens can hear it farther. He's up there in the air. That's why he's up there, not just to stay away from danger, but he's broadcasting. Other hunters can hear you. Public ground, you make him gobble. Guys on the next mountain, don't give him time to get to him. I mean, it's just bottom line. I mean, I know guys where I live, man, when I was a kid, it was like my dad wouldn't tell his own father where he heard a turkey gobble. I mean, it was like graveyard secret stuff. And there's still guys like that. I mean, I honest, as I stand here, I know guys that have been... Pennsylvania's a lot of valleys, and a lot of the roads are in the bottoms, and you drive up through there, tur you know, turkeys are on the mountains. I know guys that have taken electronic game calls with goblin sounds on the side of the mountain that they knew the turkeys were not on and they'd hear the car coming. The guy would get out. Oh, oh. <laughs> hear the truck door slam. The guy would go on that mountain because he knew the turkeys were over here. <laughs> I know guys that have done that personally. I mean, it, 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 sometimes there's, you know, there's no holes barred when it comes to turkey season. So we treat called to him a couple times and he's gobbled. I want to let him hit the ground before I do anything else. I might soft you up. Turkeys are always talking to each other, soft yelping, soft clucking. I mean, you can never go wrong with any of that stuff. But now I need to take that gobbler's temp temperature. This is where guys like Eddie Salter and Ray I and Paul Butsky, a bunch of the people that you hear, you know, the greatest turkey hunters in the world, this is where they're the best. They know how to take that turkey's temperature and tell them the right things. You know, when I hunted, worked with Eddie Salter for 
24 years. To me, my time in the woods with him taught me the most. Man, he, he's from southern Alabama. They kill five turkeys a year. You know, the toughest turkeys in the world. He knew what to say to that turkey. You know, he'd come to Pennsylvania and, and you know, what I think are some of the toughest turkeys because of hunting pressure didn't bother me a bit. Eddie knew what to say to those turkeys. I mean, I've, I'm, we're all buddies. We learn so much. But, you know, Eddie would, and I, and I'm, I, this is probably the, the biggest lesson that I've learned, always better to start a conversation soft. I know sometimes on TV you'll see, there's time and place for that. But when you start a conversation soft, you're not threatening. Especially if a gobbler has hens. When you're talking soft to those hens, you're not threatening those hens. It's just flock talk. They're talking all the time. But this gobbler, if I hit him soft, when, he, when I know he's flown down, I'm going to hear him fly. You know, I'm going to hear his wing beats. Or I'm going to hear a change in his gobble where it's real loud up there in a the tree. And all of a sudden, he hit the ground. You know, it sounds like he went 30, 40 yards. He's on the ground. Now I'm going to you know, take his temperature. I hit him with a little, just a regular yelp. Nothing. That's when you know you got to get him excited. That's when you know you got to get put some more inflection in your call. You got to get to where your wife's telling you to take out the trash for the third time. You know, when she got that inflection in her voice, we have selective hearing. This gobbler's got selective hearing. You know, he's telling you that, hey man, you got to get me excited. And when the hens that are most excited point, either desiring to be with a gobbler, or she's really ticked off at another hen, hens have that pecking order just like these guys do every day. If she's really mad at another hen and she's a dominant hen, she'll do a sound called cutting. And without a doubt, cutting is a call that, that gets a gobbler cranked up. And to me, it's the, the bread and butter call of spring turkey hunting. And, you know, a cluck is more of a, hey, I'm over here, I'm looking for you, I can't see you, and it's a single note. Most of the time, it's just, she's just looking. But when she's, when she's excited, she puts some inflection into it. I mean, honestly, when a hen's doing that, that's X-rated stuff right there when she's talking to a gobbler. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, you think about it, it's mating season. And if you think about deer and turkey hunting, I think about this a lot. Man, if they didn't have mating season and they didn't eat, you know, think about us. I mean, if somebody was hunting us, we'd have all been dead in high school, no doubt, you know, trying to get a date to the dance or at the McDonald's drive through I mean, think about it. That's what we're out there. We're hunting these animals. I mean... When she's excited to be with a gobbler, you know, she's going to get cranked up like that. And a lot of times I'll start cutting, maybe when she's yelping, you know, she's just looking. When she's excited, she's putting some inflection into it, some, some, a little bit more speed. Dang, that hour went fast. I got to hurry up, I'm sorry. They're going to yell at me. I could sit here and talk all day, y'all, but y'all would be sleeping. But there's so much to talk about. An hour doesn't cover it, but we're having fun. I hope I'm having fun. I hope y'all are having fun anyway. On a mouth call. <laughs> nice thing about a mouth call is you can turn your head and you can change. Excuse me. You can change your direction with a mouth call. And I try to do that. You watch a hen. She's moving her head. I don't want them to come up over that hill and be looking right at me. With a slate call, you can do it a little bit by just changing where, you know, where it comes out, side to side. <clears throat> I always try to keep them guessing. So I hit him with some cutting, and he gobbled. A lot of the times what I like to do is cut to him, and he'll gobble. I'll just keep calling. He'll gobble again. You know how you try to ask a question to your wife, and she doesn't hear you? 
and you ask again and it starts to make you mad. It's called selective hearing for women have it too. That's what we're doing. We're acting like we don't hear that turkey gobble. That means a lot of times it can change that alone can change the game. I'm gonna hit on this real quick. Box calls. How many of y'all use a box call? I think there's more dead turkeys across this country that have been killed with a box call. How many of y'all call how many of y'all use a, a lynch box call? How many of y'all have an old lynch box call you still use? All right, if y'all are interested in trading, I can trade you a brand new, you know, w wicked zinc box. It's funny to me, and my dad still calls, not this boat paddle style, but he'll call a conventional box call, he'll call it a lynch box. It doesn't matter if it's Quaker Boy, a Primos, a Zinc, it doesn't matter whose it is, it's a lynch box, kind of like Kleenex. Box calls are awesome, sounds built right into it. One thing, this isn't a great example, I should have a conventional, and I want to talk about soft calling on a box call, tree calling. One thing you can do if you don't know, on a box call, you can take your, your off hand here and, and cut the vibration on that soundboard. You can go from yelping... You go yelping loud to soft real quick. Volume control is important. That's one way you can do it on a box. Okay, let's say we've cut to this turkey. We've got our decoys out off our left shoulder. We're right-handed. You know, that turkey's gobbling out here. We're trying to, you know, call this way to keep that direction where he's approaching, you know, the sound that he's hearing. I always point my left shoulder so I can swing my gun 180 degrees. You know, I'm real comfortable. We've cut a couple times and he's, he's gobbled. Maybe we've talked soft to him, just some soft yelps like we talked about. It doesn't hurt to talk to him like that. It, you, you're not going to hang him up with soft stuff. What you're going to hang him up with, if you keep cutting and keep getting him excited, he's out there strutting. He gets excited, he's strutting, he's waiting for you to come to him. You can always just soften. Soft stuff's fine. You're not going to hang a turkey up with soft stuff because they're, they're talking to each other all the time. All of a sudden, he gobbles on his own. We talked about that earlier. He's searching for us. We can't see him yet. He's over that rise. He gobbles on his own, answer him right away. Hit him right back, because he's looking for you. And that's when I think I know that I'm going to see this turkey. I've changed the game. Now about that time we see those tail feathers come up over the hill like we talked about earlier. Hear that sound? God dang, I, I, I get goosebumps when I do it myself. That's stupid. I mean, that's crazy. That's what Nashville does to you, man. It gets you excited for turkey season. But anyway, we hear that sound. That old head comes up, back down. Man, he's hung up, and we can see him. That's, that's a hard thing. He's 60 yards. Let's say we're not shooting at $60 a box bullets. We know that our gun's good at 40. And we've got to give respect to the game, man. Don't try to, to, to shoot farther than your gun's going to shoot. We know we've got to get him in a little bit. We know we've got to make another sound. Man, this is crunch time, and it's tough. I don't know if you all follow turkey calling contests, and I, this is crazy I'm making fun of myself that's how I got started in this business and, and was competitive for a long time but I haven't called in a turkey calling contest since 2007 till today I thought man I can hang with these guys the problem was I'd, I forgot how nervous I was and this is like a turkey at 60 yards today this morning I got up there with my striker and, and I couldn't get it on the slate and I swear my daughter sitting back she goes daddy you were shaking I'm like you can't stop that I mean I was calm when I was going up there and I got up there and like it hit me like and I swear my striker was like that but this is where we can make a mistake too I mean that turkey's out there at 60 yards you gotta make another sound you don't want to sound like a woodpecker when I mean, you finally get it down there you think about that turkey's not far and you go you yelp that loud to a turkey at 60 yards, watch him start to shake because he's going to think there's a 900-pound hen on the other side of that hill. <laughs> that turkey gets close. Just soft and subtle stuff. Just let him know you're there. Here's one thing with a slate call that's really cool. 
if you've never tried it, one of the tough things with a slate takes two hands. You can learn to use these things with one hand. I mean, you really can. If you practice it, I can show you how to do it. Just especially that soft stuff. You have to get your hand on your shotgun. Now, you still got a hand on the call, but when he goes behind a tree or comes up to your decoy and it made the difference and he turns that tail and shows you the Texas heart shot, you can move your gun and he can't see past that tail. Now, hopefully that works. When I sit down, I always lay a stick right here, especially in the woods. I'm in leaves. One of the best non-vocalization turkey calls is the sound of leaves, whether it's scratching or walking. I mean, you veterans, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to a turkey, he gobbled. Maybe you made him gobble at 9 o'clock. You're walking. We're two-legged. And we're making some noise. And you hear that turkey. You take two steps and that turkey. He's gobbling at you. He thinks it's that hen. Think about things like that out there. You know, fly down cackle. Great vocalization. But they don't all cackle coming on a tree. You can take your hat. You can sound like that hen coming off that limb. Stuff like that can make the difference. <clears throat> One more real quick thing. Let's say it doesn't work. Let's think about something else. Let's think about that Jake decoy right there. He's threatening that pecking order. We can also do that with language. To me, one of the most underrated calls out there, and the most for me it's been poison, is a Jake Yelp. Anybody utilize Jake Yelps when you're out there? Nobody. Man, you've got to try it this spring. I promise you. There's no sales pitch. It's, it's just like using that Jake decoy. That turkey's out there, whether he's you know, 80 yards, 100 yards, whatever. You're calling him with a hen. He thinks there's a hen over there. All of a sudden, he hears a subdominant gobbler. Them Jakes, they're gobbling this time of year when they wake up. Three weeks from now, they fly down. That old Jake, big long beard, hold a hen. He's like, uh-oh, something's happening. He smacks that Jake upside the head. About 10 days of that. That Jake goes to gobble, and that, that gobbler hits him upside the head, it stops. He wants to, but he goes, Whoever, we all heard Jake Yelps out there. They're doing that for a reason, because they've gobbled earlier, and old big boys beat the heck out of them. You can imitate that on a mouth call a little bit slower, a little bit deeper in tone, where a hen's, Jake's, and I apologize, my throat's so dry, and the calls are dry. A hen's like, Now, Jake would be just slow, a little deeper. And if your reed flips like that one, don't worry about it. Turkeys make mistakes, too. That happens. That's what happens when you let your calls get dry under these lights. On a slate or glass, the deeper tone comes from the middle of the call, where you're yelping... <coughs> More on the edge, you come down in the middle, it'll be a little flat, but it'll still sound like a Jake. This is not a good box call, to, but like the Lynch boxes or the conventional style box call, you have a high and a low side. Lynch has a gobbler and a hen side. Just slow it down. This is more of the boat paddle's not really a gobbler style call, but get on that, that lower side and slow it down. Imitate that scenario right there with language. Try that Jakey up this spring. I think that you'll be surprised how it can work because a lot of times they can't stand it. One other thing, and we'll take a couple questions till they permanently throw us out. We're out there in the turkey woods. Those colors of that turkey's head, red, white, and blue, man, stay away from those colors out there. We've got to keep our sport safe. I don't care if it's a white pair of socks. I'm sure you can get a pair of camo socks down here, green or black or whatever. And before you even pop that safety off, let's all make sure, and I don't think we have to worry about anybody here at this convention. Before you pop that safety off, we've got to know there's a turkey standing out in front of us. There's no, 
you know, there used to be this mystique and how hard this and that. We're going to know if it's a turkey out there. Don't, don't, don't ever think about that. And when we're teaching youngsters, the same thing. That safety doesn't come off till we know that turkey's out there. And I, for me, using decoys, I think that's been one of the best safety aspects of, of turkey hunting because nothing's happened until that turkey commits to those decoys. And if I have the decoys out in front of me, if somebody does decide to uh, take a shot at a turkey, I've been working the decoys are out in front of me where I can more or less divert the shot out there. Now, I don't want to talk about that. We did, I mean, I don't want, we have to keep our sports safe as possible, and that's a message we continuously need to spread. One, one, just two seconds. Get yourself some tick spray. If we do have an opportunity, I don't care if it's a 5-year-old, 10-year-old, 25-year-old, there's a lot of 20-year-olds that started hunting, and, and, you know, things happened in life, and they don't go anymore. We went from 14 million to 11 million hunters in a short time in the last four and a half, five years. Us as outdoorsmen, folks that come to Nashville to the convention, we all need to spread that message how, how fun hunting is. We can't think about next year. We gotta think really in, in NWTS mission of you know save the habitat, save the hunt, and everything that's going on. I'm proud as heck of, of my organization. I'm proud as heck of this organization. We gotta think about 20 years from now, 30 years from now, our kids, grandkids, so they have the opportunity to enjoy this. Target 2000 brought turkeys to everywhere in the country. Now we gotta think about the future. All of us are responsible for it. I mean, we are conservationists. We're the reason that a lot of these things happen. We buy hunting license, we buy hunting products, we're Pitt and Robertson, you know, and all the money for conservation is because of hunters. And, you know, be proud to wear camouflage if you're in downtown New York City. I mean, be proud to be a hunter. And, um, yes, sir? Comments about fanning. You believe in it? You do it? Um, that's a touchy subject with me, and I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's definitely a, a, a something that works. But I, my, my heroes in this world, Ben Lee, Dick Kirby, Billy McCoy, guys downstairs would tell you the same thing. Man, we've been running up. They ran up and down the road before me and laid the groundwork for this organization and, and turkey hunting. And we preach safety everywhere we go. And to me, it's a very dangerous way to hunt. And I, and I don't want to get in an argument with anybody. I want anybody to go turkey hunting any way they want to. To me, I like calling them. I like the art of calling. And there's no doubt that it works. And you're going to see a lot about it. And I'm not saying don't do it. And I've watched it work. I've watched it work with turkeys that I'm like, there's, you couldn't call. And personally, I, I'm just not into it. And if you are going to do it, man, make sure it's safe. Make sure you know there's nobody around. If you're from Pennsylvania, don't do it. It's illegal. You know, you have to be motionary, or excuse me, stationary, utilizing a turkey call to hunt turkeys in Pennsylvania. But it's a subject I'd like to stay away from because there's some people that do it that are very passionate. I learned that on social media. And this is one thing, too, while we're here. I know the, the newest thing is is when you kill a turkey or do something to hit social media, get your face on Facebook and everything. Remember, just remember this: the internet's forever. We got to be hunters, and we got to tell the right story out there. I see so much negativity that that out there that we're we got to protect our sport. You know, just like that. I might not be for it, but that doesn't mean that I, that you shouldn't do it. That's just my opinion. And, I, and we we got these giant fields that I hunt in Minnesota. For years and years and years, I hunted them and I could never get them. And they always leave big, giant fields. And I guess as safe as I could be, I like that field of giant. There's nobody up here but me. Yeah, for 500 yards into the field, it's another 500 yards everywhere. When there's this little ridge, I'm like, I think he went over there. And no, it's another 500 yards. So, no, if it, it, so we walked up there with that thing, and like, call. And, you know, a little clock and purr. Uh oh, here you come. Get ready. I mean, my buddy said back to back. 
you know, and it was, it was a pretty exciting way to hop, but I get the danger part. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's adrenaline rush, and I talk to people that do it, and, 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 and there's no doubt about it, and it's very, it's very, very effective. There's no doubt, no doubt about it, and, and I'm, that's just my personal opinion, that's all, and, and don't, I don't hold that against you. Don't hold that against me. I just we all we all have our stuff, and there's turkey, there's field turkeys, toughest turkeys in the world. I don't think I'd take my daughter doing that. Oh, smart man, smart man. Yes, sir. A couple, I don't know how many years ago, when you came out with that flock to Jake, <clears throat> I bought one the first time around. I was so impressed with it. The second day of the Kentucky season, I called your office to talk to your sales manager. And I told him I was very, very disappointed with that, that nobody offered to sell me a life insurance policy. It was great. That's actually a good idea. We thought I should say, but then that's... Another thing that I've, I take a lot of people out because I've been fortunate to hunt a long time. And oftentimes, the best call is no call. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you let him know where you're at, and you, yeah. if you can outwit him and outpatient him, yeah. you're exactly right. I mean, we're in the instant gratification era of, of life for a lot of folks, and, and we got to get back to teaching them how to hunt again. Teach. When I talked about squirrel hunting earlier, yeah. you take 20 15-year-old kids in my neck of the woods, you go out on a ridgetop and you go, okay, show me a white oak. You might as well be on Mars because 15 of them can't tell you what a white oak tree is, and, and it's just because we're not we're not necessarily teaching them the things that we learned, and I think it's so crucial um, for the future. I really do. But that you're right. No call can be a great. Call. I saw one more. Yes, sir. When and how do we use the purr? Great question. And it was when and how often do I use the purr? Turkeys are clucking and purring all. You mean just regular contentment style clucking and purring? Yeah. I'll do it once in a while. I, I'm a cutter and a yelper. I think that's the two that are my favorite. The, the most, you know, I, I don't know if we talked about it earlier, but like if he's hung up and I need to just content him, that cluck and purr is just, you know, hens are feeding around. Slate calls it to me is the easiest way to do it. Obviously a mouth call in your mouth is nice because usually it's a close range call. It's something soft. It's the toughest call to learn how to use on a mouth diaphragm. Some people can roll their throat, like when they gargle. Those guys got it whooped. I, I can't roll my throat, so I got to use my tongue, like when your kids play a machine gun. But that's the kind of way I have to do it. And that's the toughest way to control, but it has to be soft. But usually at close range stuff, where I'm just trying to contend him, is when I use it. It's easier to do it when you don't have cotton mouth. My mouth is dry as it can get right now. Just little soft yelps can do just as much damage as that purr. All right, we'll take one more. Unfortunately, we don't have any more time, but yes, sir. Dad, I noticed one of the hardest things that I, I've had to deal with lately is a whole bunch of jakes whooping the gob, the tongs. I wound up having to shoot a jake to bust the block up, and then I killed three toms right after it. Uh, but, but like I said, anything other than I didn't want to have to shoot a jake, but it, it was one that was just too big for his bridges and had to go. I'm with you. If they act like a big boy, sometimes they got to die like a big boy. What state are you from? Tennessee. Okay. I, when was that? Last spring? Uh, well, it actually happened two or three years in a row. Last year wasn't as bad, but the year before that was 
was horrible. That's, and we'd have like six, it'd be like six, six to eight jakes, and they'd pull every gobbler, and they wouldn't even gobble. Right. Well, that's not a bad problem. It's a bad problem that, then. Yeah. The next year, you got to take earplugs because yeah. you got all them two-year-olds running around. And, and, and some people trophy hunt turkeys. I like hunting. I mean, I try not to shoot jakes. In that situation, when they make me that mad, I ain't scared to let one roll. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't going to shoot him, and he run one off. And I said, oh, boy, I'm, I'm letting you have it. So I yeah. tagged him. And then I killed three on back-to-back -back days. The Tom's come back in, started gobbling. I just wanted to tell you anything other than that. I mean, it worked for me. That's right. I mean, and that's what happens. You have a great hatch. You're going to have a lot of jakes. And if you've got a, a band of them, they learn. I mean, I don't care how big a guy you are. You get six guys. I mean, you, all of a sudden, you're in a fight with six people. And, and it can happen. And it, I've seen years where it makes it tough. But like that. Like anybody from Ohio in here? Southern Ohio where we had the big cicada hatch two years ago. Turkey population, when they follow a big cicada hatch, are you noticing it? The, the hatch is incredible. Last year was unbelievable in the Southern Ohio with the amount of two-year-olds and goblin turkeys. I'll take a hundred two-year-olds. I mean, when we go to places a lot of times, we're like, yeah, we got this turkey over there. We've been trying to kill him three years. He's probably got an inch and a half spurs. He's been missed twice. Everybody's yelped to him. That's the one you're hunting in the morning. I'm like, man, I'd rather not hunt him because he ain't going to be killing. Um, I had a lot of the same problems that the, I guess, sir said, or Mr. said over there. They used to just take off and leave. That's the first decoy that I've ever got to come in on a consistent level. It's the 80 Awesome, man. Thank you for it. Uh, they do a real good habit. First, only time I ever got to really see much interaction with it. A lot of times, I mean, I had a gobbler one time fly down. And I had a live hen in front of me, and she was standing there looking at us, wasn't moving a muscle, just like a decoy. Mm -hmm. And the gobbler ran. He, she started walking out the hill. He stopped and come. I mean, it, it was just like now these are educated birds. Mm -hmm. I've seen, like I said, they're dumb, but. Like I said, now, late in the year, when I pull into the driveway, they take off the runs. <laughs> they know my color of my truck. They know you got a Ford or a Chevy or not. Yeah, there he comes. Let me, let me hear that yelper you got. Yeah, they get smart. I got a turkey at the house. We're <clears throat> I moved about four years ago, and the first year we were there, Madison and I called him up to about 30 yards and just couldn't get it done, and he's been there every spring. He knows me. He knows what, I mean, I, there's, I can bushwhack him, but I can't call him up. I mean, he's, he's smart. He's real smart, and I kind of like having him around, you know. I, it, I know people hunt him, and I know the only way they're going to kill him is if they, you know, get in front of him where he's going to go, but there's turkeys out there you're not going to call up. I just especially when you educate them. Look, y'all, we got to let the, the next folks come in. Really appreciate y'all coming today. Have a safe spring. Come see us down there. And again, just enjoy Nashville and the NWTF. All right. I hope that you guys enjoyed that seminar with Matt. You know, you can really hear Matt's excitement about the upcoming spring 2019 turkey season. Well, upcoming at that time, of course. And to me, it really embodies everything about the Opryland Hotel and Convention Center that particular weekend in February. There is so much excitement, and you can just feel it in the air about turkey season opening up. And so you guys who haven't ever attended one of those shows, you really need to make it a point to go to at least one of them and experience that. And by the way, it's nearly impossible to experience 
a little bit of everything that there is to do there in one day. So if you're traveling a pretty good distance to get there, go ahead and plan on staying over one night, at least one night, and attending some seminars, attending the calling contests, of course, showing up at the sports show, attending some of the auctions that they have. There really is a ton to do. Anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed that seminar with Matt. I hope that you picked up a thing or two that may help you this coming year. You know, me personally, my attitude about decoys has changed. And really, it's changed from the time that I started doing this podcast about five and a half or so years ago to today. And it changed because of this podcast. I was never a big fan of decoys. I always had decoys scare off more turkeys than they brought in. And so I just never used them. But now that I've learned through some of the guests that we've had on this show how to better use decoys, I've become more effective at decoying turkeys in. And I still don't use them the majority of the time that I hunt because I rarely hunt areas that have a lot of fields in them. And I rarely hunt a lot of fields. And I just haven't found decoys quite as effective in my setup in the woods. But if I'm hunting an opening or a food plot and I've got time to get a decoy out, you better believe I'm getting a decoy out and using a lot of the tactics that I've learned on this show. But Matt did a good job of covering a lot of different topics about turkey hunting. And I think it made that seminar a lot of fun. So that's all I've got for you guys today. But if you would do me a favor before I cut you loose for the week, if you would share this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter podcast using the share button on your podcast player application, if you would share it to your social media platforms that you use, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is you want to share that on, If you would do that, I would be very appreciative. And with that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.